Donald Trump is weighing in more regarding Texas politics. Texas A&M University has decided to go even more woke because they weren't woke enough. And Dade Phelan is personally profiting from Texas taxpayer dollars for his business as Speaker of the Texas House. We're going to break this down and a couple more things for you today. Let's get to the show. I've talked about Texas A&M on this show quite a bit, and I wish I was talking about it in a more positive light. My parents are both Aggie alumni. I love the university. I literally went there as a kid. I went to Yale practice. I've gone to football games. I mean, when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, I would have told you I'm going to go to Texas A&M University, right? I was being catechized into the faith. Um, but the reality is that over the last several years, Texas A&M University continues to allow Marxists to take over their university. And this is a willful allowance is what I will call it. It is a willful allowance. We did a report and had a conversation with our friend Scott Yenner on the podcast, uh, back, I don't know, last, early last year. And we had the conversation about all of the DEI employees that Texas A&M University had on their campus. So we have the conversation with him. He ends up doing a piece in Texas Scorecard to talk about this. And Texas A&M like, gets real defensive. And what they really didn't like was that we said that they had more Marxist full-time employees than the University of Texas at Austin, UT Austin. And anybody who understands the rivalry between these two universities would know why that would offend them. And so they put together this like multiple page report to refute the accusations made on this show and made it Texas scorecard. And they end up publishing this kind of defense that they send to donors and different people that email them. And this entire report, I don't remember the exact numbers, so you're going to have to give me some grace with this, but. Think of it like we were saying they had 300 full-time employees. I'll use round numbers because I don't remember the exact ones. We were saying they had 300 full-time Marxist DEI employees and the UT Austin had like 280, something like that. And their whole defense that they came back with was, here's all the people we have. And if you look, UT Austin has 280 and we have 260. Like that was their entire defense. Their entire defense was basically, you say we have more, we say we have less, we still have so many. And then the legislature passed a ban on DEI programs at the university level, um, which has made it harder. But these universities are trying to skirt around these restrictions and laws. And the latest exposure that A&M's getting to the leftward drift of the institution is that they are now offering a minor in LGBTQ studies. Texas A&M University is offering a minor in LGBTQ studies. Brian Harrison, one of the most conservative state representatives in Texas, posted this online earlier this week. He said, update, 
After discussions with Texas A&M University leadership, they just confirmed that Texas A&M is spending state resources to assert that gender and sexuality are socially constructed, that transphobia has a relationship to racism, colonialism, sexism, ableism, classism, and that they plan to continue spending tax dollars to maintain their undergraduate minor in LGBT studies. He said this was outrageous, which I agree with. He said hardworking, overtaxed Texans should not be forced to pay for liberal indoctrination, and I will be exploring legislative remedies. Thank you, State Representative Brian Harrison. Now, did you see this statement made by, let's say, Chairman John Kempel, who's the chairman of higher education in the Texas House? No, he did not make a statement like this. Why? One, because he's in a primary battle for his life. Two, because he's the one who tried to gut the DEI bill in the first place. Y'all remember that? When John Kempel filed, the Senate passes over a bill that says DEI employees can't be on university campuses. We can't spend the money on hiring these people. And he puts this thing out that says, well... Uh, you know, they can get hired as long as they don't call it basically DEI. I mean, he gutted the bill to say every one of these employees can keep their job and keep doing what they're doing. They just have to call it something different, which is actually what the universities are trying to do for the most part. And then that got changed on the House floor. Matt Schaefer and Brian Harrison led the charge on that reform. So, so I don't anticipate John Kemple speaking out. I don't anticipate the Speaker of the Texas House saying this is a problem. Uh, in this story, and you can go to texascorecard.com if you want to read uh, this story in full, the title is Lawmaker Works to Curtail Taxpayer Funding of LGBT Studies at Texas A&M University. If we read a little further down, it says Texas Scorecard has investigated Texas A&M's history of using taxpayer dollars to fund such courses. A document obtained by Texas Scorecard via public records request reveals that the university spent more than $5,700 on a course titled Introduction to Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, and Queer Studies. That's a course. I think you have to take that course to get the minor. That would make sense, right? You take the course... And that's like part of the coursework to get the minor. They also spent $8,700 of taxpayer funding on a course called the economics of gender and race. The economics of gender? Seriously? It's been incredible just hearing from Texas A&M alumni reaching out, continuing to say, what the heck is going on? If you are an Aggie alumni, and you care about the leftward drift of that institution, now's the time to speak up, okay? Now's the time to reach out. If you donate to this university, you email them and say, I'm done donating as long as the lesbian, bisexual, gender, queer, gay, study, and minor is there. Now is the time to do something about this. If you have an uncle who loves Texas A&M University, tell him to stop giving them money until they stop advancing this leftward filth. This stuff 
is going to destroy the hearts and minds and souls of the next generation. They're actively indoctrinating them. Now, I mentioned John Kemple, and that's kind of a good segue because he's the chairman of higher education. He is also being targeted. He's one of the top targets um, of conservatives across the state to defeat in the upcoming Republican primary. And his main opponent is a gentleman named Alan Schoolcraft. Now, I talked about Alan when I did that kind of run through all the races, but I will have another kind of remind y'all. Alan Schoolcraft was a Texas state representative in the 80s, 1981 to 1993, I believe. And this is the type of person that you want to step back into the political arena. My dad got started in politics uh, in his mind. I know that's kind of a weird way, but bear with me with the story. Uh, he, The Lord saved my dad in college. My mom missionary dated him. Um, my sisters were not encouraged to do that, and neither will my daughters be. But anyways, so she she dates this guy who's not a believer. The Lord saves him. And um, so he starts trying to read books and go to church and kind of, let's say, just create this basic foundational form of his worldview and faith um, in order to hopefully marry this woman and grow a family, which he did. And praise be to God for that. So he, in doing so, he ends up going to one of the early men's conferences he went to. Uh, he heard this talk from a gentleman named Greg Harris called Model of a Man. And they broke down the years of your life into three sections. The first section was education and training. And for lack of a better time frame, we'll say zero to 25. Like first 25 years of your life, education and training. That's what you're doing. The next 25 years of your life are business and babies. You're getting married. You're having children. You're establishing yourself in a vocation, a career, um, a job, a you know, different trades. And then the third, the third, third, the last third of your life is elder statesman, city father, public servant. And it has this idea that like you, uh, another way to model this out is the learner, the earner, and the returner. The learner, the earner, and the returner is another one used. And so these are models put together that kind of reflect how ideally in a society we would view our lives. Uh, Bob Hall, Senator Bob Hall in Senate District 2 is to me one of these models where he, you know, had his family. He worked hard in business. He then retired into East Texas. And all of a sudden, you know, he's in his 70s trying to find someone to run for state Senate against a liberal Republican state senator. Can't find anyone steps up himself. And Bob's still serving faithfully in the Texas Senate and one of the most conservative voices there. So a lot of people do get involved younger, and this ends up being a little bit more of a career for them. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But as a whole, I would appreciate it if we saw more earner learners, earners, and then returners. And so Alan Schoolcraft is one of those. And even though he served in the legislature early on, he went on, he built up businesses, he sold one of them, he still runs another one. And conservatives came to him and said, we need someone to run against John Kemple, who's a liberal Republican, and he stepped up. And in the process of that, and that district is in Guadalupe County and Gonzalez County. 
Okay, so I'm in Bear County, Guadalupe County neighbors us. So that's Seguin, Cibolo, Shirts, a little bit of New Braunfels, and then Gonzalez County. Everyone kind of knows Gonzalez County for its Texas history. So yesterday, Donald Trump endorsed four conservative challengers to four liberal Republican incumbents in the Texas House. One of them was Alan Schoolcraft. He said, Alan Schoolcraft is running in Texas State House District 44 against Rhino John Kemple, who voted to impeach Texas's great Attorney General Ken Paxton. In the state legislature, Allen will champion school choice, fight for election integrity, defend Texas values, secure the border, and protect our Second Amendment, which is under siege by the radical left. Allen is supported by Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Attorney General Ken Paxton, and many other strong Texas conservatives. Allen Schoolcraft has my complete and total endorsement. He then went on to endorse Mike Alcott with basically the same language. Mike Alcott is running against Rhino Glenn Rogers. He impeached Attorney General Ken Paxton and goes on to describe that situation. He also endorsed Helen Kerwin, who is a conservative Republican running in Johnson and Somerville County, uh, Burleson, Cleburne, Glen Rose, Texas, against Dwayne Burns. I think I've said this before, but if I haven't, I'll say it again. Dwayne Burns is actually a very pleasant person to be around. Um, I have run two campaigns against Dwayne Burns. So like, I I mean, I literally, uh, Philip Eby's uh, a friend of mine and ran two different campaigns against Dwayne, came within several percentage points um, of winning those races. But ultimately... Uh, he's still the state representative. Again, very nice guy if you met him. That doesn't mean he's voting correctly in a way that would allow Texas to flourish, in a way that would protect all of our children from things like the LGBTQ studies university minor at Texas A&M. Helen Kerwin is another good example of a learner, earner, returner. Helen is... I won't give her age because that's like not ideal to give for women, but she is a mature woman who has lived a long life. Her daughter is Brooke Rollins, who's I've said a pillar of Texas politics and Texas policy really grew the Texas public policy foundation into the behemoth of Texas politics that it has become. And uh, now works at the America first policy Institute uh, kind of building up a lot of things that will ultimately end up supporting uh, Donald Trump when he wins this fall. He endorsed Liz Case. Now, Liz Case, again, um, an older woman. I know if Liz heard me say that, she wouldn't be too offended. Okay, I say older compared to me. Uh, but the point is, Liz Case is a diehard conservative activist. Liz served on the Legislative Priorities Committee last Republican state convention. That's where I was working with her. She was working day in and day out to say, what are the legislative priorities we need to enact into law? And you know what happened? The Texas House of Representatives didn't vote on most of them. So then she says, well, I've been involved in the party. I've been a lifelong person who's been engaged in all these issues. My state representative, Stan Lambert, is a liberal Republican. It's time for something new. She steps up. And now Donald Trump's endorsing her to be the next state representative. Y'all know Mike Alcott well on this program, but I've talked about him. One of my best friends running for the Texas legislature. So. These are great endorsements of President Donald Trump. And some, I got some text messages and messages yesterday about from people that said, hey, why didn't Trump endorse this guy? Why didn't Trump endorse this guy? Why didn't Trump endorse this guy? And here's the reality, okay? It's not easy to get Donald Trump engaged in anything, 
on this low a level. Okay, Donald Trump tends to endorse in U.S. Senate races, congressional races, and gubernatorial races. To get him to come down and speak into Texas House races is remarkable. It's a huge accomplishment. And it is actually a testimony to the extent that conservatives are united on so many of these races. That's the reality of where we're at on many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. Y'all know, I care a lot about a lot of races out there that maybe Governor Greg Abbott disagrees with me on. I care a lot about a lot of races out there that Dan Patrick is not necessarily on the right side of. Or Ted Cruz has made a couple endorsements that I disagree with. But that doesn't mean that on a lot of these very important races, everyone's not aligned. Ted Cruz, Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, Ken Paxton, Sid Miller, when all of them are against a sitting Republican incumbent, that should tell you something about that sitting Republican incumbent. Do you want to see the world around you change? Are you looking for an internship that will help Texans lead the way in our country? Texas Scorecard provides real news for real Texans and is one of the fastest growing news outlets in the state. Right now, Scorecard is looking for young people interested in journalism and media. We call it the fellowship. Not exactly that kind of fellowship, but you will find yourself around like-minded world changers dedicated to telling stories that matter to Texans. We're looking for young people ages 18 to 25 to join our paid fellowship. All fellows will receive a monthly stipend of $2,000 to cover their expenses. Fellows will have the opportunity to specialize in one of three tracks, writing, research, and administration. Go to texasscorecard.com fellowship to apply today. So I am very grateful that Donald Trump decided to step into the fray in a couple more Texas political battles. Last, Texas Scorecard broke a story on February 16th. The headline is, State Agency Paid Millions in Real Estate Lease to Speaker Phelan's Company. $2.3 million to be exact. The Health and Human Services Commission is renting a building in Beaumont from the speaker himself They uh, from 2017 to 2023. There was something in the lease that said that it looked like the lease might have actually started in 2014. Um, the reality is that it looks really bad for state agencies who literally are funded by the speaker and his top lieutenants to then turn around and rent some massive building from the speaker. And then Chairman Matt Rinaldi came out and talked about how taxpayers were paying, feeling triple market value in the real estate deal. And when you do the math, it appeared to be like a $268,000 windfall for Phelan's company. Now, this is just the reality. It's so much easier to spend other people's money. We call OPM, other people's money. I think that's a term I got from my dad, and I don't think he actually invented it. I'm pretty sure somebody else said that at some point in history prior to 2007 when my dad used it predominantly during the legislative session. I was his intern, so I was in his office in this teeny little desk and when I'd be sitting there just answering emails and taking calls and listening in on meetings he had, I was 17 years old. And um, he would tell me, man, everyone, it is so easy to spend OPM. That's just it. 
other people's money. That's the easiest money to spend. And the same is true in politics. It's true in policy and politics. It's true when you're talking to donors and you're running. If other people are spending the money, people just spend it so much easier than your own. Um, but here you have other people's money seemingly lining the pockets of the sitting speaker of the Texas House. That's on top of the many other issues that Speaker Dade Phelan has. So again, that article can be found at Texas Scorecard and the follow-up um, article on Matt Rinaldi's comments on it. Guys, there's a ton going on, but uh, we are moving forward. Uh, early voting is going on. I'm going to remind y'all how to vote more than once legally. How to vote more than once legally. This is how I'm going to close my show out. And I might do an extended one next week. But here's the thing. Go vote early. Take a picture. Post it on your social media accounts. Okay? Email it out to your church list and say, Guys, I voted early. I did a lot of research. I know who I want to be my county Republican chairman. I know who I want to be my county commissioner. I know who I want to be my state representative. I know who I want for the Court of Criminal Appeals. We have the three Donald Trump Jr. endorsed Ken Paxton Slate for the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is David Shank, Gina Parker, and Lee Finley. Those three members on the Court of Criminal Appeals. Every single Texan listening to this program can vote and will have those three people on their ballot. It's the statewide court who has basically said we're throwing out all the precedent that has ever existed in Texas of the Attorney General engaging in court battles and saying he cannot enforce election integrity laws in the state of Texas. That's a problem. So, um, we have a situation where you have the opportunity to put it out there that you've actually done your research. You know who to vote for for Court of Criminal Appeals. You know who to vote for for all the positions that people don't know. And if you're in a hotly contested state rep district, more than likely there are some people out there that are like, I'm hearing bad stuff about both people. And you're like, great, let me tell you what's true. So if you build that list and you put it out there, then your friends and your family will say, there's an election going on. Oh my gosh. Which one is it? The Republican primary. Oh, okay. So I just vote for Republicans. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, where do I vote? Here's the early voting locations. Here's the list of who to vote for. Great. Voting's open until five. And all of a sudden these people are in. These people that wouldn't have even voted if you hadn't posted. So every single one of y'all needs to do that. You all need to go vote early. You all need to take pictures. You all need to post it. You all need to talk about it. And tell your friends, I've done the research for you so you can go participate in the representative republic form of government that we have informed, better informed than just whatever's on your computer and in your phone and in your mailboxes. So consider doing that. Thank you all for being engaged in the process. Thank you for all you're doing to further the conservative movement in Texas. We will come back to you next week. God bless you. And may God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com. <laughs>